This past summer my boyfriend and I went camping in Wayne National Forest, Ohio. We were out there for three nights, and everything went fine each night except for our second night there. Before I start, let me just say that we were the only ones in this pretty established campground, most likely because it was supposed to rain the whole time we were there, which it did. Anyways, we had settled down for the night, and it was about 11.30. I was on the edge of sleep, about to completely drift off when my boyfriend rolls his body onto mine, speaks lowly into my ear and says don't move or make a sound, but I think there's something outside the tent. I am immediately alert and I can definitely hear something outside the tent. We were sleeping on a slightly raised square piece of land that had a wooden plank border and was filled with very small gravel, probably for drainage reasons, and I could hear stepping on the gravel, right next to our heads. My breath catches and I am frozen, and my boyfriend says I have a hatchet, I'm going to try to make some noise to scare it off. I can't even squeak out a word as he rolls off of me, grabs the hatchet and begins banging on the side of the tent and making hissing noises in an attempt to scare off the animal outside. After a few minutes of silence we check outside the tent and nothing is there, so we settle back down and fall asleep. It wasn't until the next day, as we were discussing the event that we realized it may not have been an animal. As we both had recalled, there had been distinct stepping sounds. No shuffling, no dragging of a tail, no skittering, but stepping. And it was the stepping of something that was heavy enough to make sound on packed gravel. There also hadn't been any snuffling near the tent wall, nor any sniffing, and after my boyfriend had made noise we didn't hear anything going off into the foliage that surrounded our campsite. No flapping either, so it wasn't something that could have flown off. As we talked about it, we began to realize that it may have been something bigger than what we had originally thought was a raccoon. Something possibly human. In our empty campground area. The only person we had seen at the campground was the ranger, and that had been during the day and he had come in a vehicle. It was not the ranger this time, at midnight, at our rainy campground. We still talk about it, trying to decide if we've forgotten any details or are misremembering something. Reddit, if you have any ideas I'd love to hear them. When I was probably about 13, I was on a Boy Scout camping trip in Southern California. My friends and I hiked into the woods and encountered an old flatbed truck sunken into dried mud in a clearing. We went up to the truck, and tried to pull off the hood ornaments and badges as little trophies. It was probably late afternoon and when we opened up one of the doors to the cab, we found a newish Coleman cooler that had clearly been stashed by somebody on the bench seat relatively recently. The cooler was tied shut with a load of paracord. Figuring there might have been beers in the cooler, we decided to sneak back late at night and open the cooler and enjoy the spoils of our find. We snuck out of camp around midnight, like four of us. By the time we got back to the truck we were all kind of spooked by THW dark and the noises in the woods. We pulled the cooler out of the truck. It was hella heavy. When we cut the paracord and opened the cooler, it reeked. Inside the cooler was a black contractor's trash bag in a pool of brown, semi-coagulated liquid, absolutely covered in maggots and beetles. We freaked out and scattered. 
A few minutes pass and we compose ourselves enough to get back to the cooler and kick it over on its side. The liquid drains in the bag, and whatever is inside, rolls onto the dirt. With our flashlights on it, we use sticks to open the bag and see a bunch of brown hair. We freak out and scatter again, figuring we found a dismembered corpse. We go have another look. It was a bear head and paws that a poacher had attempted to make off with after he accidentally hit the bear on a service road. Apparently camp staff had found a headless and polis bear some weeks prior with no explanation and we had found the remaining pieces. When I was probably about 13, I was on a Boy Scout camping trip in Southern California. My friends and I hiked into the woods and encountered an old flatbed truck sunken into dried mud in a clearing. We went up to the truck, and tried to pull off the hood ornaments and badges as little trophies. It was probably late afternoon, and when we opened up one of the doors to the cab, we found a newish Coleman cooler that had clearly been stashed by somebody on the bench seat relatively recently. The cooler was tied shut with a load of paracord. Figuring there might have been beers in the cooler, we decided to sneak back late at night and open the cooler and enjoy the spoils of our find. We snuck out of camp around midnight, like four of us. By the time we got back to the truck we were all kind of spooked by the dark and the noises in the woods. We pulled the cooler out of the truck. It was hella heavy. When we cut the paracord and opened the cooler, it reeked. Inside the cooler was a black contractor's trash bag in a pool of brown, semi-coagulated liquid, absolutely covered in maggots and beetles. We freaked out and scattered. A few minutes pass and we compose ourselves enough to get back to the cooler and kick it over on its side. The liquid drains in the bag, and whatever is inside, rolls onto the dirt. With our flashlights on it, we use sticks to open the bag and see a bunch of brown hair. We freak out and scatter again, figuring we found a dismembered corpse. We go have another look. It was a bear head and paws that a poacher had attempted to make off with after he accidentally hit the bear on a service road. Apparently, camp staff had found a headless and polis bear some weeks prior with no explanation, and we had found the remaining pieces. Me and parents, I was about 16 at the time. We were camping on this relatively rugged camping site, right inside the highest, oldest, and probably densest, forest in the Netherlands. Now, about this forest, itself. This forest is quite peculiar, and not just for its age. First off, due to centuries, perhaps even millennia, of extensive logging, which favors straight trees, almost every tree there is bend, or warped in some weird way. Secondly, that forest has an unusual amount of legends and tales in it, suggesting that it was a holy city before the christening. Though I don't believe in paranormality of any sort, this forest does have an unusually magic feel about it. Now, to what actually happened. So we were camped there, it was just after dark, and I decided to just like my parents had been doing for the past few days go take a hike into the forest, and see whether I could spot any wild pigs. I decided to just go left, right, right, right for a nice rectangular walk. The first stretch was relatively uneventful, 
The camping site was well within view, though in the darkness started to make things uncomfortable. As I approached the first intersection I saw a black dot on the extension of the path. I didn't think much of it at first, but then the dot started moving, and as it was about to disappear into the foliage a conga line of smaller dots came out of the other side, following the big one off the path. Shortly after making the turn, I started to get strange sensation, as if I was being watched. After frantically looking around for a few seconds, I decided it was just me and approached the next intersection. After making the next turn the sensation got much stronger. Feeling as though whatever was watching me was a few feet behind, or to the side of me, instead of behind one of the trees along the path. When I saw the next, and last corner coming up, was about the point that a small niggling thought cropped up, a thought that took me a few months to work out, the thought that I might be going mad. As I turned the last corner, the pattern held on, it was now a few inches from the back of my head, if it existed I would have felt it breathing down my neck, and the fact that I didn't only made it worse. In the end I was sprinting towards the camping ground. Frantically, over my wheezing breath humming to myself whatever tune was in my head at the time, just to keep the thought of going mad away. As I crashed through the camping ground gate it stopped, I walked over to the tent, pulled up a chair, and contemplated what just happened. I grew up camping on this one particular island in Southern Carolina. My family would spend weeks there at a time and go throughout the year. I knew the woods that bordered the beach like the back of my hand, this is important. One summer my best friend came with me. She was 16 and I was 15. She had never been camping and I had been camping all over the southeastern US and was outdoorsy. We woke up one morning really early and decided to walk down to the beach and watch the sunrise without waking my parents. We are walking down the beach when a man comes over the dunes. He's mid-forties, wearing shorts and t-shirt with a belt knife strapped on. This isn't odd, it's the South. He has that country look about him. This isn't a vacationing tourist from the city. He says good morning and we say it back and keep walking. I look behind me a couple minutes later and notice he's walking behind us. At first I'm like, oh well, he's just beach walking too. A couple minutes later I notice he's gotten closer. This keeps happening. Finally I say something to my friend and we start walking faster. I notice he is keeping pace. Finally I realize he is gaining and say to my friend, we keep going, when I turn right follow me. We're going to cut through the woods to get away. I knew we were at a point where if we cut through the woods we would come out at the staffed ranger station. At this point I realize he is really coming at us, I grab her hand and we haul ass. We hook a hard right into the woods and my friend is panicking. We shouldn't go into the woods. We shouldn't. And I'm like, well there's nobody on the beach and we need a goddamn adult. We book it through the woods, I'm taking every shortcut I know and ducking under stuff and I can hear this man crashing through the woods too. We spill out by the ranger station and I start yelling my head off. Ranger comes out, the woods behind us have gone quiet and the guy never emerges. Two things I took from this. One dude was definitely up to some two dodging into 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thick as saltwater forest may have been the riskiest thing I've ever done. All right, I got one that scared the ever-living F out of me at the time. I still remember it as one of those few ungodly instances in one's life where adrenaline will stretch a time span of about a minute and a half into a two-hour feature film. We were in Brazil. Wait, no. We weren't in Brazil, we were in the Amazon. We landed in Manaus, took a ferry across the Rio Negro, five-hour bus ride south to this place called Tupana. The village was probably less than 1,000 people total. We were in high school and were heading there for two weeks of faux charity work that rich families love to send their rich little crap on, that was us. All in all there were about 30 of us students, but only four of us were grade 12 gents, seniors or whatever the F it's called in the states. After getting off the bus and taking a wicked rip through the Amazon in some sampans, it was right at the end of the rainy season. Navigation totally becomes an aquatic matter after the water level goes up by 15 feet, like no, I kid you not, you would be absolutely messed in some parts without a boat, we finally arrived at the lodge, I know op said camping but whatever. Yada yada, they give us the rundown and chit chat, brief us and clean our ears and whatnot, and we're left to go pick rooms and muck stuff up for an hour at the end of which teachers are going to do a round and write down which brat is in which room. Being the only grade 12s on the trip and being all dudes, our teacher pulls us aside and says that, if we want it, there's a lodge that's a bit further away from the main compound and hella bella dank nugs, this thing was about 20 feet off the ground and had a kick-ass treetop balcony, relevant for later. Yes please, kind sir. Flash forward 7 days. 7 days of sun and sweat and 70% humidity. Days of mud and digging and genuine physical labor, first time in my life I witness a black guy get a sunburn. That night it started raining. Really raining, rainforest raining. This thing was so loud we literally couldn't sleep. Around 3am there was a lull. For about 5 minutes silence crept in under the door, up through the drain pipes, through the screens and under our sheets. The humidity choked the room and in the absolute blackness, the kind that is terrifying in a you didn't think the world could get this dark kind of way, we heard it. Of in the distance, leaves shaking. I thought it was the rain coming back, drifting in from the east. My buddy thought it was too. Sunburnt black guy was the third. 
But for some reason our fourth friend noticed something about the pattern of the sound, some ancient, primeval facet of our genetics piped up in him and said oh. After about five minutes of absolute silence this wave of disturbance approached, and with it came a single utterance, guys WTF is that? The last syllable of his sentence, spoken as the rustling of leaves became a shaking of trees all around the lodge, was punctuated by something slamming onto the roof, wham. Immediately after something hit the balcony door, like someone had chucked a coconut. At this point we're all sitting bolt upright in our beds as things keep falling on the roof, like someone stomping every few seconds or so. Trees are still shaking and all in all there's a general cacophony. Then something hit the balcony door again, but this time with less force, like a fist thumping against it. Again, thump. At this point we're losing our goddamn minds. It sounds like a group of about 20 people are playing rounds of hacky on the roof and trying to Colorado the trees while Jack Torrance is trying to enter via the veranda, sunburnt black guy is screaming help and I'm out of my bed scrambling for my flashlight. Bro 1 is holding his back against the front door and no one wants to go near the balcony. And then it stops. As quickly as it came this wandering cluster drifts off through the treetops. About five minutes later a teacher and the guide show up to inform us that a pack of monkeys just scared the living thing out of everyone else too. My buddy owns a lake property adjacent to some double railroad tracks and a spur coming off the tracks heading to an abandoned grain elevator nearby. He put our camping cabin on top of a hill next to both the operational double tracks and the abandoned railroad spur. Well one night we are sitting at the part of the lake closest to the spur before it crosses a nearby highway. We heard gravel crunching and turned around to see a bunch of men holding flashlights, okay, no big deal, must be the railroad tearing up the spur. We head back to the cabin right when a tank train is pulling to a stop at a signal right next to the cabin. My buddy talks to the crew and they say there was no one from the railroad working on the spur. Okay, maybe the local rednecks need some creosote to burn. Whatever. Well once midnight rolled around my buddy goes and looks at one of the trail cams facing the spur. As he gets there he gets the SIM card and looks down the spur only to see a tall silhouette with bright red glowing eyes walking, slowly towards him. He noped the hell out of there. Told us to pack up and get to the driveway quick. We get in our cars and speed away. We meet up at a gas station about 5 miles away. We look at the trail cam footage and there were a ton of those red eye silhouettes. We go back to our cabin to retrieve everything in there, and a ton of those red eye creatures were everywhere and they just disappeared into mid-air. We walk into a destroyed cabin to find a note written in what I hope is red ink saying we are always watching. My buddy sold the property to the railroad and workers have been reporting creepy sightings ever since. I've told this before and it always gets buried. While we weren't camping but rather driving in the mountains. But a few years back I was in Colorado with some friends on our way to a mountain for a ski trip. On the way to our hotel we were driving up and down these winding roads deep deep in the mountains which seemed like forever. 
It was pitch black outside and around 3 a.m. and we had to at least be 45-ish minutes from the nearest town. And it was cold, like see your own breath freezing cold. As we were driving along, my friends and I all see four figures walking on the road coming towards us. We all get weird feelings inside but I did especially, and the hair on my neck stood up. Something didn't seem right. We were way too far away from a town and it was too cold for hitchhikers or hikers of any sort. We get closer and closer and as we got right next to these people we slowed down and we realized that they literally had no faces. Four people walking in the dead of the night wearing black hoods and cape-like gowns and they had no faces. And by no faces I mean like no eyes, mouth, ears, just blank faces almost white in color. I'm familiar with ski masks and these were not ski masks. They had hoods on like something from Scream almost. My friends and I all freaked the F out speeding away, and my toughest manliest friend of us all was crying, mind you he was in his late 20s. It was the most afraid I've ever been and it still scares me thinking about and typing out. No idea what they were or anything. Demons maybe? It will forever be a mystery. We didn't sleep well the next few nights slash months. I was backpacking illegally through a wildlife reserve, didn't leave anything except my footprints or take anything except pictures, down here in the deep south along this creek near the Mississippi River, actually my goal was to make it to a peninsula on the Mississippi. Was thick like a jungle and had to cut like literally every step to get through. The first night I found a nice beach spot and hung my hammock up on this hill between two trees and gathered my firewood for the night. After I was done eating I got ready for sleep and threw a bunch of firewood on the fire to make the light source bigger to keep away predators. Predators stay out of the light instinctively, they know if they enter it they will be seen. I had a Dakota fire pit and cleared everything around it so it wouldn't spread. After only about a couple hours of sleep I was awoken to loud splashes coming down from the creek, it was very dark so I couldn't see them but they were big and heavy, judging from the splashing, and there was about 40 of them. I knew it was probably a pack of panthers or something like that, we have those around here. So I got up and threw more wood on the fire to make it even bigger. Some got curious and came a bit closer to me, but never close enough to be seen. They was playing in the water. Well morning came and they was gone so I packed up and headed deeper into the reserve. I eventually came across their nests, luckily they wasn't home, but I am not joking when I say there must have been at least a hundred pits of nests. Well not too much further after that I found an island with steep sides all around so I decided to make camp there. I didn't know it was an island till I walked the shore and found it. It was indeed an island with creeks running all around it. Deep creeks as well. There was an abandoned camp on it, everything there but no people. But it looked like it was left in a hurry. Everything was knocked over including a propane grill, how in the F they got the grill out there I will never know, was hard enough just walking and you couldn't have taken a boat cause there was trees laid put across the creek everywhere. So I picked up the camp and turned it into my camp. Stayed on the island two days then decided to make my return trip home, was a good full day hike from civilization, and this is where it starts to get creepy. 
I just had left that abandoned camp when I came across this tent that was deep in the thick. So it was hard to see but I yelled out hello? But there was no answer. I moved closer to the tent and then started getting in easy when I seen huge cuts in the side of tent as if something was trying to get in, or out. No bodies or blood, but everything including the backpack was left behind. I started to continue my walk out back to civilization and I came across yet another abandoned campsite. No tent, just two sleeping bags laid out and two empty backpacks. It looked like it had been there for a while. Eventually I made it back to civilization but that was one creepy solo backpacking trip. I had weapons on me so I wasn't completely scared of the panthers, had my handguns and lots of blades. But being that close to about 40 predators was a bit crazy. If they would have only have known I, I wouldn't have had enough bullets in my magazine for all of them. I typed this out at work on my phone so I didn't have time you proofread it, sorry if my auto spell messed a bunch of stuff it. It tends to mess up more than it fixes. Unless I'm drunk. Edit, for those that are curious I backpacked out to here 30.51 to 89.75 the island is right to the right if you follow the creeks. The path I took started at Burnt Bridge Road look at the peninsula and follow the small creek to then right. Then just north of that is the island. And I followed the creek all the way from where it meets Burnt Bridge. I went backpacking with three friends last winter break. First part of the trip was car camping though, because it was supposed to rain for a few days and we could get some serious mileage into the woods on this dirt road. Second night of the trip, and we're way out there. A good six hour drive away from the nearest cell service, the road is looking more like a clearing of trees than a path, etc. Anyways, it's something like 3 AM and I hear a car. The four of us are sleeping in two tents, and my tent mate was still there. At first I assume it's one of my other friends starting my car, I own the car and was the driver, but I was pretty sure I still had the keys on me. So I unzip the tent, while it's pouring rain, and look out to see a jeep pulled up next to where we had our campfire, headlights turned off. I shine my big ass flashlight at the car and see a single guy in it, just sitting there. Mind you this is the first human being outside of my group that I've seen for like 30 hours. After about a minute of staring he just leaves, and I don't see him again. It's perfectly explainable, but at the time it was a little unnerving. This happened August of 2016, very recent. I was canoeing the Boren Lake Provincial Parks. Our fifth night there we were camped at Site 49. In the middle of the night I'm laying my arm against the side of the tent while sleeping. Something, a bear, pushes my arm waking me up. My canoe partner was already awake and heard growling a few minutes prior. The next morning other campers were all discussing that a bear was seen in the group camp, 48, which is right beside the singles camp, about 70 meters away, during the night. The bear had walked through our campground, touched my tent slash arm and left. In the moment I was confused but in hindsight that was a very scary situation. We go to set up camp on this mountain campsite. On the drive up the mountain, 
This car pulls up right behind us and when we park at the top they park right snug next to us. We see it's a truck with a bunch of huge metal kennels in the back. This guy gets out of the driver's seat and starts making animal noises. Eventually he wanders over and mutters y'all seen a dog? In an ominous voice. We said no and this guy wanders off into the woods making animal noises. Because we were spooked and didn't want this creepy guy to put us into his kennels, we leave to try to find another campsite about 15 minutes away. This was a holiday weekend, so as we drive through the woods we are having a hard time finding an empty campsite. Finally we see one and pull in only to be stopped by a cross sticking out of the ground. It wasn't a campsite, it was a memorial slash grave thing that we were parked on. Spooky, but damn it we want to camp so we keep looking. We keep driving down this long secluded dirt road looking for a spot. We eventually decide to take a turn off of the main road to keep looking. About a quarter of a mile down the road we decide that was a bad idea cause we don't want to get lost. So we start to reverse down the narrow road. It's at this moment that a truck pulls up to the mouth of the road that we are reversing towards. It parks at the end of the road, blocking it. They cut their headlights. We're freaked out, but we keep reversing and luckily are able to cut across the side of the road entrance and hightail it out of there. We were too freaked out and decided to camp in our dorm room instead. Weird night. A few years ago I went camping with a few friends since we had a four-day weekend and nothing to do. The plan was to stay for two nights and go back home so we could get to class on the Tuesday. So basically, middle of the night my friend, let's call him Steve, has to go out for a piss. Probably a minute and a half after he leaves we hear this honking noise and Steve comes barreling back to the tent, freaking the hell out. We all grabbed our bags, which we didn't even unpack, ran to the van, and drove 15 minutes to the nearest McDonald's because he told us to get Oda there. He explained to us that, in the middle of the night, a big man with a beard wearing nothing but overalls and a striped tie snuck up on him while he was peeing, flashed a light in his eyes, and air horned his face at point blank, then sprinted away. We went back the next morning to get the tent. I was the last one up at night and was smoking pot at the fire. Our lean-to was like 40 feet away up on a hill and our food stash was hung in the lean-to out of range of coons and squirrels. No bears were I'm speaking about. Few minutes go by and some coons go up to the lean-to to check out what they can get and I hear them shuffling around. Three babies and a big fat mama. I go back to my business of smoking and say to myself don't shoo them. They can't get any food and they probably don't want to come near me so I don't care what they are doing. I light the bowl and as soon as I start to hit it, I turn around and see this giant coon in the firelight literally a foot away from me. I freaked out, not because I'm afraid of coons, but because heck I was just shocked and bewildered. Dropped my weed and raised my arms and started barking like a dog as if it was a bear. Ah good times. Camped overnight at Dudley Town, Connecticut. It's apparently extremely paranormally active. I've heard things there at night I cannot explain. 
I'm a pretty avid camper in the Northeast US and have never heard anything like what I heard in the woods there. Keep in mind I never saw one animal there the four times I went, day or night. Freaked me out. Still managed to sleep while crapping bricks of fear. Camping out with a couple of friends when we were about 16 to 17, getting blind drunk, as is tradition. Around 2 a.m. when we were all thoroughly inebriated, we see really bright lights from across the river. 4x4 driving is pretty common in our area so we didn't think anything of it, but then the lights turned off. About a minute later we heard a loud crack, and then a twang right outside the tent. One of said friends had just gotten back from basic training in the army, early enlistment in Australia, then had his parental consent pulled cause of some stuff, and sat bolt upright. He goes don't move. That's gunshots, and we collectively crap ourselves. This happened probably 5 to 10 more times, hazy memories, but we took his advice and didn't move. Got up the next morning and there were pretty decent sized holes in the ground around the tent. Went back to the same place a week or two later. This year was my fifth time hiking into a national forest with a church youth group and staying out there for two nights. I get spooked out there sleeping away from everyone since I'm the only female camper. The second day it rained all day long. If you've never been miles away from civilization in the woods during a thunderstorm, Believe me, it can get shockingly loud. Sleep wasn't coming and I started making games in my head, counting the thunderclaps in between the lightning bolts and such. After a couple hours of laying on a bed roll trying to sleep, the ground started to shake. This wasn't the first or even second time I'd been in a thunderstorm out in the woods and I'd never felt the ground shake like this before. This sounds crazy but it was like I could hear the shaking more than feel it. I was starting to freak out but I listened and I couldn't hear anyone else coming out of their shelters so I laid my head back down and told myself it was the thunder. After a couple minutes it happened again and I sat up and found my flashlight and shined it around and found nothing. It didn't happen again and I eventually fell asleep. The next morning I emerged from my shelter to come and sit by this guy who was already getting a fire going. Then a a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Peter comes up behind me and goes, man, did you hear that bear right above your shelter last night? I had never been happier to not spend another night in the woods. This happened when I was about 11 to 12 years old, camping in a friend's huge backyard in the English countryside. There was a forest that ran around the perimeter of the garden, about 20 feet deep, made of very heavy thickets and dense trees which was impossible to walk through, this is an important detail. We spent the whole day clearing a patch for our tents, and so there was one path which we'd made into our clearing. No other way in or out. At about 2 to 3 a.m. we were all still up, drinking Red Bull and eating only sugar will do that, and we must have been making a bit of noise but the next neighbor was miles and miles away, and we were about three quarters of a mile from the house, it was a big garden, and the forest backed onto a huge and pretty terrifying corn field and nothing else. All of a sudden, one of my friends said in a calm and puzzled tone hey, turn off the torches for a second, and so we did. All of our torches went out, but the tent was still lit up, by a torch light that was being shown onto the tent, not from the inside of it. What's more, it was clearly coming from the opposite direction from where our path had been cleared, from seemingly thick and impenetrable thickets and trees. The torch light flickered and wobbled as torch light does when the light source is being held by a human hand. The torch moved over the tent and we tried to figure out if it was moving around in a 360 as well, I was fairly sure it was but we couldn't agree, we were just so cold and panicked, with only one cell phone between us which had no battery charge. One of my friends called out, asking who it was and that it wasn't funny etc, and I shouted that we had an axe, we actually had a very bad hoe not a real axe at all, for if we needed to cut up any more roots or vines for the tents. I can't remember precisely when the light went off, I think we may have even decided to sleep and try to ignore this light watching that was intently watching us. No one was at all brave enough to go outside and even now 10 years on I'm very glad we didn't, we literally had no idea who that was or what they wanted, and it could have gone very badly. Our friend's dad was the only person in the actual house and was an extremely heavy sleeper with absolutely no pension for pranks or anything like that whatsoever, and was very genuinely concerned when we told him in the morning what had happened, we were of course very cocky at this point and laughed it off.
We were made to dismantle the tents that night and had to sleep indoors. I was car camping with my, then, girlfriend in Big Sur. After eating dinner and watching the sunset we decided to call it an early night. The following morning we had a bit of a drive ahead of us and a rehearsal dinner to get to, so after blowing up our air mattresses we passed out pretty quick. Well at some point in the night I wake up, the girlfriend is apparently having a hard time sleeping so I ask her what gives. She tells me that there is something pushing up into her mattress and she's convinced whatever it is is trying to get inside our tent. I assure her that she must be mistaken and suggest she relax and try and get some sleep. Well not even a minute later she's back upright, insisting that there is some creature beneath her trying to scratch its way into our tent. Being the gentleman I am, I suggest we switch places. We do, and all seems well as I slowly start to drift off on the girlfriend's mattress. Right as I start to nod off I feel it. There is something underneath the tent pushing into the mattress. Not sure what it is or what to do, I do the only thing that I can think to do, pull the top half of the mattress back and proceed to beat the thing of the ground in hopes of striking dead our phantom intruder. All my years of playing whack-a-mole had finally paid off. I don't know how long I kept at it, but after a solid minute or two I dropped the crown of the mattress back down and never felt another nudge. When we woke up the next morning and broke down the tent, we discovered the source of our disturbance. Apparently we had pitched our tent directly above a gopher den. The poor little bastards were just trying to get some fresh air only to discover the footprint of our tent blocking their exit. Not really scary, but in all my nights camping I've never had an experience like it. I was camping with a boyfriend I had in high school. We were there secretively and no one knew we were out there. We were pretty secluded except we could see another campsite fire a mile or less away. It was a flicker of light. Around 8 PM they all started screaming and banging pans. Then they got in their cars and drove away. They even left their fire going which is really bad in California. We just sat there staring wonder what just happened. I wanted to leave too. My boyfriend had a huge ego so he said everything would be okay and he had a hatchet. About an hour later we heard branches snapping near our campsite. And then silence. Then branches breaking in another direction and then silence. It was so dark and we had forgot a flashlight so we only had our fire and a small gas lantern. He started yelling to scare whatever it was away. We heard nothing. So around 11 PM we went into the tent and tried to go to sleep. I sat up in the middle of the night and looked at my phone. It said 4 AM and then I heard a sound I will never forget. It was this deep breath outside the tent. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I couldn't even move for what felt like forever. I pushed my boyfriend awake and he didn't even have to ask. He grabbed the only weapon we had, a hatchet, and told me not to move. The deep breathing turned into grunting. There was most definitely a huge brown bear outside our tent. Its nose streaked across the tent. At that point I was hyperventilating as quietly as I could. My boyfriend was stupid at this point and unzipped the top of the tent because he wanted to see it. 
We could hardly see it in the moonlight, but it was definitely a huge bear. He zipped up the tent and we sat silently with the hatchet until it left an hour later. It ripped our ice chest clear in half and pulled stuff all over. It also took a bite in the bumper of my 1998 blazer. It left holes in it. It also punctured each red bull can we had. I've never been so terrified in my life. The worst part is if we had died or got hurt, no one knew where we were. Here is a strange after story. I went to work the following week and my boss told a story about how they were camping that weekend and a bear scared them out of their campsite. My boss is a friend of my parents so I couldn't tell them we saw the bear too. I went camping with a group of people and we were split between two tents. Earlier in the night as we were hanging around the fire, some guy passes by the site just at the edge of the radius of light from the fire. We thought it was a little creepy he was coming that close to our spot, but in the interest of trying to be cool, we call out and offer him a spot by the fire and a beer. He doesn't say a damn word, just looks our way a moment and then disappears into the darkness. We shrug and go on with our night. In the middle of the night I am woken up by deathly screaming coming from the other tent, as well as what sounds like thrashing. My friend Justin is screaming he's killing me, he's killing me. And honestly, all my friend and I in our tent could do was stare at each other and stay stock still, hoping that the obvious murderer decides that he's done for the night and doesn't need to visit the other tent. We stayed with our eyes wide open for several hours with no other noise and eventually fall back asleep. Turns out my friend got night terrors but didn't tell any of us. Also, I found out that in times of true danger, I take the path of a deer in headlights. My wife and I went camping near the beach in NorCal on a Sunday night. It was a decently sized campsite, probably 20 to 30 different sites over a pretty large area. We were the only ones there, and were at a site that was a mile or so from the only road into the campgrounds. It's 1am and we're sitting by the fire and pretty drunk. Next thing we know, a guy on a motorcycle pulls into the site right across from us. He puts a light on his helmet and begins to pitch a tent. He then very loudly hammers the stakes into the ground with a hatchet. Gets into the tent and goes right to sleep. We are convinced this guy is a serial killer or something. There was no reason why he picked the site right next to us when he could have gone anywhere else. Why did he drive almost a mile and instead of going to a site right by the entrance? Why did he pick the only site next to the only people there? I snuggled very close to my mag light that night. We woke up around 6am and he had already left. So odd. I was around 10, camping at Hilton Head. I'm a pretty curious and adventurous lad, so the first thing I do is sprint into the woods. Mainly to get away from leveling the camper. I'm in the woods having the time of my life and getting lost. Pretty soon, really lost. This doesn't really bother me but I take note of it as I peep going in random directions. Pretty soon I see a drop off. Like, a very large drop. I take steps forward, feeling a smile involuntarily spread over my face. 
As I hear the leaves crunching under my feet I see it. Its beauty, the solidarity it holds, projecting itself in the otherwise empty foreground if the cliff's forward empty space. A large, thick vine hanging from the canopy. It's thicker than my arm. About the size of my leg, really. I can't see the top. Instantly I lean over as far as I can, barely grab it, my knees flat on the ground and the full of my torso fully extended over the drop-off. I pull it back and swing. Swing over the drop-off and further still, the incredible length of this vine lurching me farther and farther into the drop. However it became apparent, due to the great mass of the vine, and the little mass of my small prepubescent body, that I had not nearly enough momentum to get me back over the ledge. I had absolutely no idea what to do once the vine completely halted. So there I am, hanging over absolutely certain death, arms and legs wrapped around my only source of life. I screamed and cried for my dad. Then my mom, hoping somehow she could hear me better. No one came. I had no idea what to do. So I climbed. Shimmied my way up this vine. With no inflation of truth do I say I climbed for 10 minutes. I couldn't see the bottom of the vine anymore, but now I could see the top. Once I get closer and closer to the canopy, the vine gives. I shut my eyes and cling on, holding my breath and tensing every muscle in my body. I feel the vine slowing. It successfully dropped me to a distance where I could jump to the bottom. So I did. After I did that I realized I crapped myself with fear. Literally suit myself. So I pulled of my boxers, turned them inside out and wiped my eyes, then threw them into the woods. It was fine. Had on basketball shorts, super comfy. Felt good. Anyways it's dark now, and I'm trying to find my way back. Blowing on this little whistle thing with a compass and flashlight on it that rings out this loud pitch to anyone nearby. Really scared but still, not actually scared I wouldn't be able to find my way home. That's always stuck with me and I don't know why, just that feeling of, yep, I'm lost. And not actually being scared. Eventually I feel this tickle on my leg so I swat at it. I feel another one and then way too many for it just to be a tickle. So I turn the flashlight off and look at my legs. Baby spiders crawling up my legs. Up my legs. I took of my shirt and swatted them off, now I was scared. I saw tens of spiders webs on the ground, apparently nests. Sprinting and swatting my legs with my shirt I somehow sprint into civilization. Had no idea where the F I was, knocked on someone's home at what was now 9 and call my dad and he picks me up. Told him everything but to this day my mother thinks I just got lost. Out camping in the Rockies, about 10 miles into the middle of nowhere. Set up camp just off a lake probably half a mile or so. This far back I figured I was the only one out there, Bob Marshall Wilderness is incredibly large, I was in the state of Montana which has a population barely over 1 million. Around 3 a.m. from across the lake I hear a scream and someone unload their pistol. Woke me straight up and freaked me out. Grabbed my pistol and kept that thing on my chest the rest of the night. Many others but that one always sticks out.
When I was younger, we went camping out on our local lake campground. Most of the night went completely normal, then we went to bed. About an hour after we went to sleep were woken up by the sound of a man screaming for help. At midnight. So we go investigate and long story short, this guy had been drinking heavily all night, was plastered, and was now waist deep in the freezing cold water. Their best thing about this guy was he just didn't even seem concerned about the fact that he was freezing. Dude barely even knew which way was up. I went to summer camp as a child on Catoctin Mountain. All of the campers go on hiking trips, and the youngest, 9 years old, only hike about one quarter mile from camp to a spot called the outpost because it's the edge of the camp's property. My best friend forever, we're nine-year-old girls, after all, and I decide to take our sleeping bags a bit away from the rest of the group, to be cliquey. We can see our campfire from where our sleeping bags are, we're maybe 25 feet away. It's a mountain, near the top. You can see a radio tower with the slow blinking red lights, to warn aircraft, that's normal. What isn't normal is when the slow blinking red lights disappear and show up somewhere else. W never saw them move, but with 360 degrees of visibility, she and I were swinging around and finding the lights. We could work together to track them so that one could watch where a light was and the other could scan for new lights there was only ever one at a time, it would blink out then reappear elsewhere. It scared the S out of us. In the very beginning we thought it was another camper using a flashlight with their hand over it to go off from camp to pee, but we never heard footsteps in the leaves, and the jumping from place to place seemed supernatural. Now I'm 40. I've wondered about it most of my life. The one piece of information that never occurred to me until today, but I always knew, is our summer camp was literally on the same mountain as Camp David. A simple explanation that seemed far-fetched until I look at it from my adult perspective is maybe some important thing was going on and there was increased security at Camp David, and maybe those lights were security personnel checking whether the people camping on their mountain were a threat. It's much more likely than fairy lights, and there were a few very tense meetings held at Camp David during the 80s. Camping with my girlfriend in 2014, decently crowded campgrounds so we weren't expecting anything creepy to happen, not isolated from the other campers by any means. Girlfriend wakes me up saying that there's someone messing with us, poking our tent etc. I don't hear anything so I just tell her to go back to sleep. Then, lying there, I hear some tiny twigs snap, as if someone was creepily just stepping around our tent. I say something along the lines of if I have to put my shoes on for this thing, you're gonna regret it. It pauses, then after a couple of seconds continues. I rack the slide on my pistol, hoping that sound was enough to deter them. It pauses again, then continues. I grab my flashlight and step out of the tent and see a cat trying to find some grub from our crap. Laughed my butt off, pretty sure the neighbors thought we were just trigger-happy drunks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. girlfriend and I went camping in the Appalachian Mountains miles from anyone. So remote we've actually spent most of our time in the same spot naked while enjoying the beauty on previous trips there. Second day and we decided to eat mushrooms that morning a little while after an amazing breakfast. Just as we began to peak a mother f game warden a 6.5 feet tall female warden comes walking up out of nowhere. I saw her first about 50 yards away walking towards us waving and speaking loudly to let her presence known. I'm thinking to myself holy s that a giant lady. As she got close up I audibly say holy s she didn't get any smaller. She looked at us both suspiciously and simply asked us if we saw someone ride through on a dirt bike. We didn't see a dirt bike. I am a camper, but this didn't happen while I was camping. I went to let my dog out, and it was around midnight, give or take. We live out in the country. My dog suddenly stopped sniffing around, and she got this defensive look. She started barking and hollering like crazy, staring right at the tree line. I went outside, and I could actually hear coyotes barking and yipping right out in the field. I grabbed my dog and brought her back in. I called for my dad, I was about 15 at the time, and he came out with his shotgun. The barking had stopped at this point, and my dad fired off a few shots to make sure they'd been scared away. I know it sounds petty, but it's terrifying to hear those things so close. I took a weekend camping trip with my dog on some BLM land off the canyon backroads outside Salt Lake City. I'd camped there many times in this quiet space near the river, and hardly saw anyone else save the occasional passing dirt bike. I got to the site and started to unpack a few hours before sunset when this young small framed Asian man stumbles into my area with a dumb grin. 
He speaks broken English and tells me he's been camping across the river and into the woods from my sight for weeks by himself. I want him to leave me alone because solitude is precisely the reason I'm there, but I'm a gentleman so I entertain the small talk. We exchange names and where we're from while I gather dead wood from the forest floor for that evening's fire. His name was Howe. Howe eventually asks, are you a Christian? I tell him no, I'm an atheist. He stepped back a bit, even though I was friendly and showed respect for everyone's beliefs. How tells me he's followed Jesus into this forest to pray, and I decide he must have a long prayer to tell to have been out there for so long. I'm sure it's because I told him I was atheist that he soon closed our conversation and crossed the river by way of hopping boulders large enough to protrude the rushing water and into the trees toward his campsite. That was the last I ever saw How but it wasn't the last I'd hear from him. The rest of my evening was calm and quiet. I smoked a joint and read T.S. Eliot by the river, lazily tossing sticks for my dog to chase. I bent a dozen branches I'd cut from birch trees into a dome to build a smoker for some fish I planned to catch in the morning. When the sun fell and that sudden desert night cold set in, I made a fire and played a string of Johnny Cash tunes on my guitar. A few times I wondered where Hal was and what he was doing and whether he could hear me sing from his place across the river. Overall, it was a normal and quiet night, at least until a couple hours after I fell asleep in my tent. I woke up to my dog whining, and he never whines. His big white eyes darted around in the dark, and I knew something was outside our tent and near. I remind myself the worst it could be is a bear then throw on a knitted beanie and slide a full magazine into the Walter beneath my cot. I listen for footsteps, but the forest is dead silent. Even the river beside my tent flows in a whisper. The silence is broken by a sound from across the river unlike anything I'd ever heard. A series of long drawn out screeches call through the dark between the trees like hot breath rushing through an instrument crafted with demon horns. I didn't know what made the sound other than it wasn't human, but much like you can hear when the voice of someone speaking a foreign language is sad, I read desperation in these otherworldly screams, a begging for one's life. For hours after the screaming stopped, my dog and I were still too scared to move. I sat in my tent, watching fog cloud around my red, panting nostrils and gripped the handle of my gun with white knuckles, but the night remained silent until morning. When day broke and my camp filled with light, I unzipped my tent about halfway before I saw the scene outside of it and froze. The floor of my campsite was littered with 50 or so little wooden crosses made from sticks and bark twine from the forest. Among the crosses were hundreds of dried up wasp carcasses sprinkled around my tent, like someone had poisoned an entire nest and spread the victim's remains around me like lawn fertilizer. I surveyed the crosses and wasps across the dirt ground, trying to make sense of it, wondering how it got there in the night, and all while I slept. I remembered the screams in the night as my eyes wandered across my campsite, and that's when I saw it, about five feet from the entrance to my tent centered in an empty circle or dirt among the crosses and wasps. A heart. A pig's heart. I knew what a pig's heart looked like, even if I didn't know what they sounded like while being slaughtered. 
My eyes followed a trail of frost-bitten blood that dripped from the heart across the dirt and crosses and wasps until it paused at the river where at the opposite bank the blood trail continued, through the pale blue dawn light between the distant trees, deep into the forest.